Welcome to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy. I'm your host, Tracy Poffenroth Prado. This podcast is all about reactive attachment disorder, or RAD. I'm going to be talking with parents who will be sharing their experiences of what it's like raising a child with RAD. It gets raw and it gets real. I'm also going to be talking with experts from different areas who will be sharing information about RAD, resources, and support. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Today, I am talking with RAD mom, Heather Howes. Heather has spent 25 years of her career in administrative management and 15 of those years as a small business owner, helping others improve their lives. She now volunteers with RAD Advocates. Heather has four children between the ages, wow, 24 to six, two biological and two adopted. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks Tell for having me. Tell me a little bit about your uh, RAD situation. How did you, what's going on? How did it start? <laughs> <laughs> when did this when begin? Um, <laughs> the youngest two are the adopted two. So the oldest of the youngest two, which would be our youngest son. We were, I was helping a friend who was going to be adopting and she worked like crazy hours. And so I was helping her babysit by babysitting. And then she just called one day and said, I don't want him anymore. And I was horrified as a mother with children. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's so terrible. How could you do that? Clearly she knew more about herself than any of my family did because I just didn't see it. And I mean, in my defense, as we all know, it, that he had a honeymoon period and he was great at my house and he was crazy at her house. He did do crazy things at her house that he didn't do with us. And then we had him, we adopted him at six. We were the sixth home in 13 months. And, you know, the gang parents and the drug addict parents and, you know, those kind of things. And then, uh, so wait, you were the, the, so what? His sixth home in, wow. in 13 months. Wow. Yeah. And was yeah. that because all the other families were having difficulty? Probably. No one right. tells you that, you know, it's like, and he went like from a bio home to another bio home and then to an aunt and then back and then like to a foster home and then to someone else and then back to the foster home. You know, it was like, yeah, he bounced around a lot and I, we didn't know anything. We had never wanted to adopt. This wasn't even on our radar. So we went in like, pfft, our kid, I mean, I, I still do. I have very decent biological children. Like I'm like, I can do this and literally find myself now because there's such an age gap that we've moved across the country and no one knows my biological children. And I'm like, these two are not a specimen of my parenting. Like right. it's like so hard to like defend yourself because people just think, Oh, they're out of control. And I'm like, it's not me. I swear. I swear. And when he was just before he turned 11, his birth mom had another baby and the county called and asked if we would take her. And after our brief, uh, hell no, we have so much trouble with this one. My husband and I were then like, oh, I naively thought she would be going home with those parents. And so I couldn't imagine someone willfully letting a child get messed up like that. So I, we said yes. And you know, called them back and said, yes, we didn't know that she was in the NICU detoxing from meth that her birth mom admitted to doing three hours before she was born. And then mom left her at the hospital and she was not going to be going home with mom, but you'll learn that right. later. 
you learn yeah. that a lot yeah. later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then wow. you bring her in and I didn't know I had a rad child. So I thought, oh, once we tell him this is his biological sister, at least half sister, you know, that'll make all the difference. And then he, he, I thought the attachment that he found with her was because of that, but I didn't know what it was, was him repeating the cycle. So he told her things when she was little, he emotionally and psychologically and mentally abused her with no one loves you. You should die. No one wants you on top of setting her up to get in trouble because there was such an age gap that <clears throat> I thought she was just being a bratty little toddler when she would, you know, be crying about a, a something they were playing with, but I didn't know he had totally set her up. So even now, if something is going wrong, she's like, if she thinks she's going to get in trouble, she will self-sabotage and get in trouble because she's afraid she's going to get in trouble. And it's like, I can't even explain that to her. Like her anxiety is off gotcha, the charts. Because that's happening. And of course you didn't know he was saying and doing all those no, things. I had right? no idea. And it's not like I left. She was the only girl. My oldest was 18 at the time, then 15 and 11. I didn't leave her with my children ever. Like nobody was a babysitter, you know, nobody, nothing like that. So I thought I was always line of sight and it could happen while I'm cooking and they're right there. You know, we have an open concept and they're right there, but you're cooking and you're not, you know, they're playing. You don't see no. what's going on. So they're in my line of sight, but I'm not 24 seven staring at every activity well, they're doing. And they do it also when they know you're not looking and paying attention and you're distracted oh, yeah. cooking and things like that. And how do they have that sense? It's like a sixth sense that they just know. Yeah. So yeah. what were your son's behaviors like growing up with Rad before you kind of knew what it was? What, what was that like? What did you see? What did you experience? He would do things in the house that I would be like, I'm trying to think of a good example because like one example was him and my oldest at the time were sharing a room and my husband had asked my oldest to pick up something, take care of something in his room, which he did because my oldest was by this time, he wasn't necessarily like this before Rad, but we, I, I now look back and know it was probably because of Rad, because he would be the kid that if you said, don't ever put your drink on this stand again, it would never happen again. It just never would. It wasn't like, oh, I forgot, like never happened. So he did what his dad told him and we all went out for the day and it's been stressful already. There's, you know, mom saying things are happening, the, the, rad kid is like pretending he doesn't know two plus two and he's in fourth grade and you know you're like you know two plus you just told me two plus two was four how do you not know that and the and the complete innocent i don't know like i don't know what two plus two is in the and you're just like i'm losing my mind i'm losing my mind you really think you're going crazy so my husband came home and walked past our son's bedroom and we hadn't been home we had just kind of all walked in together and my husband just came unglued and it became, we all have those moments where like, I kicked a trash can one day walking through the kitchen. I was so frustrated and you're just so, you just, I kicked the trash can. So it's like, you know, it's the black trash can. We call it the black trash can incident. <laughs> well, my husband got so mad and there were these orange beanies and he had the container open and he's just shaking them while he's talking to him and beanies are lying everywhere. And I was like, what is going on? Like freaking out. So I walked down the hallway and as I turn the corner to the hallway, I see my rad child at the opposite end of the hall, 
just standing there with a smiling smirk on his face while his brother is getting chewed out. And I'm like, did you do this? And he goes, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh. So I stopped my husband and I'm like, he did it. You know, so, and my husband comes out and the kid goes, I didn't do that. What are you talking about? And I was like, what the heck? Like I'm losing my mind. Like no one would see these behaviors. I didn't know at the time how much my oldest was being abused by the rad child. And because my rad, my oldest and I are the lovey, want everybody to feel like family type Aww, of people. Nice. So, yeah. you know, those were the two that got abused. Yeah. So it was great, great times. And he would take him in every time, like, all right, let him move into my room, mom. And we'll, we'll see how that works, you know, and this and that. And then I learned, ironically, this might go like way to the end of the topic, but I learned the other day, my son made a comment. My oldest made a comment because I had been talking with my middle son about, relationships. And as he, you know, he has a girlfriend, he's 21. So he has a girlfriend. And I just said, you know, I'll never, ever, ever ask any of my children to choose me over their significant other. I grew up with my um, father was put in that situation. My husband was put in that situation when he married me. So I said, nobody wins. Nobody wins. I'll never do that. And my 21 year old was like, oh yeah, I know mom. And I repeated that story to my 24 year old. And he goes, Oh yeah, that's not even a question. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And he goes, it's you every minute. It will never be. And I was Aww. like, oh no, it's not. It's not me. And he's like, who's going to protect you, mom? Who's going to protect you? And I'm like, holy Jesus, we are how many years into therapy, into getting better. And this kid thinks he still has to protect his mom. He's 24 years old. My husband is fully capable. And um, he said, he would always, it's always mom. He will always protect me. And I said, but that's not how it's supposed to be, you know? And he's still traumatized because at like 16, 15, I don't remember how old he noticed he, he was, it was two or three years into our life and he couldn't describe what was happening, but he just uh, told his dad, we need help. You need to protect mom. And my husband, we always call him the emotionally constipated <laughs> man. He, he, He's black and white and he didn't see any of it. And so he's like, it's just part of growing up, dude, you'll be fine. And so that was unbeknownst to all of us. The moment my son thought I have to protect mom. So realizing, looking back, my husband was born and raised in the South and you just don't sass your parents. And I would have never sassed my parents and I wasn't born in the South, but this kid would start like, he was always respectful, but if they started to disagree in front of me, they could come to blows over it. Now, if they walked away and I wasn't in the room, they could work it out. And it was always weird to me, like, what the heck, you know? And he would say, if we just, if you're not around, we can work it out. And I, my husband kept saying that. I thought it was so weird, but it's because my son, that was his nature. He, he has, whether or not, like to him, he had to show mom that he could protect. So he could be, you know, and I just thought, holy smokes, that's so, so Right. so wrong, you know, and, and he is the one who doesn't need therapy. I don't need it, mom. I'm fine. You know, so he's the kid that doesn't think he needs it. And the kid that got therapy or has been working on it was quietly, he wasn't, there was no direct assault, right. if you will, to him from a rat. He was just, I'm going to protect mom by not causing any problems, by not needing anything, by not wanting anything. So his protection right. was different. And they see it. They see what's happening so. to you. And that's instinctual. And there's something else you were saying that I wanted to revisit because I think sometimes people listening. So when we're with a rad kid, one of the examples you gave was, you know, leaving a cup on the table when you're not supposed to, but it's more than that, right? We don't get 
angry just about simple things like that. Lots of things led you, right, to have even simple moments trigger you. So can you right. describe, and I don't know if you can, because I don't know if I can, <laughs> and I'm a rad mom, but you know, because I think somebody listening to that would think, well, why are you getting so upset about a cup on a counter? You know what I mean? Right, right. And that my example, yeah, like, it's just with a, and that was my oldest would never do that. You know, like he just would obey and make changes instantly. But with a rad child, they like, set it up. They do. Like, here's a beautiful example. And I call it the bait and switch. And it ironically just happened about a week and a half ago. But back in the day, this is what would happen. What are we having for dinner? Okay. I'm in the middle of cooking. You can clearly see there are chicken breasts cut up right here. There's vegetables right here, you know, and I would start to explain what I'm cooking. And then pretty soon I was like, well, what does it look like? You know, cause this kid one day ate an entire sub sandwich that was mine because I have food allergies. So it was specifically different than anything that he ever eats. He ate my whole sandwich and I go to open what I think is my sandwich and it's his and mine had like turkey, cheese and mustard. That was it. His has got like turkey and or ham and salami and this and that and all this stuff and mayonnaise, mustard and I, or, you know, all this stuff. And he's like, well, I didn't even know there was a difference. And I'm like, how do you not taste a difference? You know, like, how do you not get that? So, and that was his excuse. Well, I didn't know. Looking, you know, my husband's like, oh, well, he just doesn't know. Nobody pays attention. And I'm thinking... He knew that was my sandwich. Like, you know, mom has a special sandwich. Everyone knows that. I'm deathly allergic to eggs and mayonnaise. Like, so that's probably why it let me try to eat that one. So I would die. Who knows? But, you know, so he would say, what's for dinner? What's for dinner? And so finally I would say, well, what does it look like we're having? Because I thought, okay, this will be a teaching moment. Because, you know, when you're little and, you, you know, I figure, okay, he just doesn't know. So the other day, so we go we go through that and this is what would come out of that conversation. So this even just happened the other day. Like I said, I have vegetables and chicken breast cut up and I'm going to just make like this sauteed stuff. I didn't really know. And I said, he says, what's for dinner? Now I had just gotten on him for being on his phone. He recently um, got a cell phone. He is 17 now and he got a cell phone and he loves to play Pokemon go. And I was trying to get him to see the number of hours he had spent with his face buried in this phone. He will go walk and do stuff with you and ride in the car, but his phone, his face is buried in this Pokemon game. So I had asked, are you still playing Pokemon? And he goes, yeah. And I said, okay. You know, like, it just was like, okay, I wasn't upset. I wasn't getting on him or anything. And he goes, why? And I go, are you aware of how many hours that you've spent? Fine, whatever. And he puts his phone down and that's when he gets up and comes over. And that's a classic right. teenager, you know, fine, whatever. What's for dinner? And I said, what does it look like for dinner? And he walks around and kind of puffing his chest up and walking behind me. He's taller than me and kind of trying, I know now to try to intimidate me, you know, but I'm like, I have a knife in my hand. Why would you intimidate a woman with a knife in her hand? But whatever, right? And so he goes, well, it looks like the sausage and vegetable bake you make, but you have it in a skillet. It's not in the oven. And I said, it's, and I stopped and I said that, meat right there looks like sausage to you. And he goes, whatever, I'm out of here. And I said, no, I'm serious. Like, cause we all know, remember everybody's telling me he doesn't know the difference between meats, right? So I'm like, does it really look like sausage to you? I'm out of here, I don't even care. 
And he continues to walk away. And I said, I'm not trying to be mean. I just really need to know, is that where you are at 17? You don't know the difference between what sausage kielbasa looks like versus chicken as he's walking up the stairs. And he's just whatever, whatever. And I'm like, okay, just drop it. That's what my husband would say. Don't just drop it. Just drop it. Let it go. Let it go. I swear if someone tells me that one more time, I feel like I'm going to punch him in the face. And he goes, he walks upstairs. And do you know what I missed? That whole setup is my bait and switch because he's not allowed to take his phone upstairs, ah. but he did. He just put it in his pocket, got me all flustered on another topic, walked straight upstairs. My husband comes up like five, 10 minutes later. He's like, you know, where's, where is he? And I said, I, I don't know. He's mad at me. He's upstairs. And I stopped and I went, he's playing Pokemon upstairs. Like it's just, he, he, that's just what he did. He totally tricked me. And it was like, because I thought, gosh, you're 17. And like, as a mother, I didn't do my job. <laughs> if you can't tell what chicken right. beef, I mean, my six-year-old knows this is cow <laughs> or chicken or whatever. And I thought, well, you know, he didn't come to us till he was six. So maybe right. he doesn't understand and I'll try to parent. I'll try to teach. Well, that's just the kind of stuff that he did. It was, And it's like, when you look at that incident all by itself, that's just silly. He just wanted to take his phone upstairs, but it's not, it's, it's so much deeper. Exactly. That. And that's why I pointed out because you know, people see one thing, but there's so much underlying and it's been day after day. It's insidious. And it's, you know, those quiet yeah. moments whispering to your other son or your daughter, those mean things. Right. And right. it's purposeful and there's a plan to it. There's an agenda. Yeah. And so yeah. it can look like yeah, we're reacting to simple things, but it's so much deeper so much deeper yeah it's like yeah he's just acting like a teenager he is he's acting like a teenager who tried to kill me when it was nine so i mean let's you know analyze so this. what happened there like, i'm gonna <laughs> like, wait well, a minute let's just say yeah let me back up uh he was nine it was actually my 42nd birthday and it had been one of those days where it was if anything i did was just met with hatred and you know, nobody was home, but my, my husband was working a really long shift. And that this day, is your birthday? As he always your did. Your 42nd on. birthday? Okay. Yeah. Aww. My 42nd birthday. Yeah. And my, it was a Tuesday. Uh, you know how you remember all those details. And he um, just had had one of those days, just hateful. And we had tried to make this little card on the refrigerator. And it said, you know, if you're trying to parent your mommy and daddy, you know, your mom and dad can't help you. So we had this little card, like with mom and dad's big, long stick figure arms around the whole group of boys, you know, the kids or him and the parents not being able, you know, this whole thing. So we had gone over this and over this and over this. And so it clicked when it clicked at some point that day, I was like, he just hates he hates me, but he also hates so-and-so, you know, and, he, and I listed all the other people, moms he had lived with. And I was like, that's it. Let's get him to figure out what he hates. Like, I need to know what the common thing is. Cause I didn't know anything about rad and no one told me anything about adopted kids, except once they're adopted and they know it's permanent, they'll adapt and feel better. Right. Just yeah. love them. Just keep loving them, which I didn't know was causing more drama, you know? So I get this paper and I'm like, I hate so-and-so. And I listed his birth mom and I hate the, you know, the foster mom all in a separate sheet of paper. And he's old enough. He's nine. He can write. And I said, just write for me why you don't like so-and-so. And the common thread, I mean, this took hours, hours, painfully, painstaking hours of just. And kudos you know, to you for spending those hours trying to figure yeah, this one thing I, out for yeah. your kiddo, right? Right. So I'm thinking, okay. And so, and I have, a, 
I went to school for to be a psychologist. I didn't go very long, but I'm very into like helping people, you know, duh. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a therapist today. I mean, looking back, obviously I was trying to play therapist, which wasn't working. But basically the common thread with all the other people were she didn't protect me or like one incident with the foster mom was he says she let me drive the car. And I'm like, well, explain that. Well, I sat on her lap and I pulled it in the garage. And I'm like, well, that's not really driving, honey. Yeah, but I didn't have a license. And he's very, you know, distraught over this. And I'm thinking, um, that's what, like my kids want to do all the time. I'm short and you can't sit on my lap and drive, but you can do that with your dad, you know? So I'm like, that's just what normal kids do. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah. So we come to this beautiful, like, hey, I'm not going to leave you. I will protect you. I can protect you now that I know, you know, things like that. Then the big boys, as I call them, go away to youth group. And we went out to the swimming pool and he's, he knows how to swim. We've done years of swimming lessons. And I said, let's practice. The one thing he always pretended he couldn't do was tread water. And I hated seeing him like swimming all the time, like just play, you know? So I said, let's practice. Okay. Okay. So we're both in the deep end and I am, cons I'm under five foot and this deep ends like seven feet. So, you know, and he's treading water and I'm so proud of him. And I looked at him and I said, oh my gosh, you're doing it. I'm so proud of you. And he arched his head back like to be excited and lost. I believe this is what happened. Kind of lost his balance, lost, you know, got off kilter. And he, and I had told him, if you feel scared, I'm here, I'll get you. And so when he did that, I kind of went to help him by, by grabbing him. So he didn't feel off balance. And I, I guess, I mean, I'm going to say, not knowing that frightened him more. So it became an immediate battle of who's going to be saved because in his, his therapist now, you know, years later says it was a dissociative moment. And, and I'm like, okay, but you don't know that when you're being pulled under and it was every man for themselves, but he was almost as big as me at nine. And so as I'm trying to carry him, get him to the side. We were not that far from the side. And I would pry his arm off of my bathing suit to put it on the side. He would clutch me with the other side, other hand, and I would be going down. And I'm not like, I'm not a lifeguard. I can swim and I could get you to safety if you really wanted to be saved, but I can't fight this battle. And it was a good 90 minutes of, I mean, 90 seconds of, it felt like 90 minutes. I'm literally going to die here. Like, no one is around. No one is home. I'm going to die in the swimming pool. And all it is, is just get him to the side, get him to the side. If I can get him off of me, I can, you know, at some point I, he let go and I got out and I was furious and I'm like, get out of the pool, like get out of the pool. And I got out, like, I'm not really furious because I don't really know what's right. happened. You know, it's so like mind boggling, but I'm getting out and I'm, trying to breathe and I'm coughing and I'm sputtering and I say, get out of the pool. And he swam across the deep end away from me, just calm as could be. And I, at that moment, lost, lost it. I was like, get your butt, bad word, out of the pool right now. And he continued to swim away from me. So I'm marching around the pool and I'm stomping and I'm so mad because you're acting like you can't swim and you just swam. Like you didn't have to be dragging me under, you know, is what I'm thinking. So I'm stomping around the pool and I stomp up onto the diving board and I stomp down onto a rock. And I mean, it was the size of a pea and it hit my foot just right. And I knew I broke my foot. I've never broken a bone in my life. And then it sounded like an entire bag of oh. Doritos crunching. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, 
just get out of the pool now because I hurt my foot. Now I'm crying. Now I know that, okay, now we're in way deeper than we needed to be. This whole situation is spiraling out of control. And so I'm hopping, hopping around like, you've got to get out and he won't get out of the pool. And I can't leave him. I'm a mom. I can't leave a kid in a pool who just couldn't swim five seconds ago, you know. So I get him out, I get him to get out and we're hop, I'm hopping along back into the house and I'm calling my husband, I'm calling my big boys first because youth group wasn't that far away and I thought if I can get them home, they can help me, God knows why. You know, they're not that old and they're having water day. It's the middle of, it's July, it's the middle of the summer. So they're having water day at youth group. So their cell phones are not on them because they're having water gun fights and water balloons and stuff like that. And my husband is at work and he's, he's the guy in charge of lots and lots of things. And so I didn't, I didn't want him to have to call our friend who is his boss and say, can you come back in my way? You know? So I call a friend of mine and she's going to come over. And I thought, well, he can't go to the hospital with me. Like, so I called my husband and I said, I think I broke my foot, blah, 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 blah. We're at the pool. And I really can't describe the situation at that time. Cause I am still traumatized, but my friend comes over and she had a hard child. She had a, a child she was a biological child, but he was very much like a rad kid. And, and things happened, I learned later in his bait infancy and, and toddlerhood that would have caused him to have some of these tendencies. So she came over that my kids all called her auntie and she sat with um, him and I said, the boys will be home. You don't have to pick them up. They're getting dropped off and, you know, just let them know. And so my husband came home and took me to the hospital and lo and behold, the whole time I'm at the hospital, that child is telling my dear, dear friend, that I have beat him and that I have hurt him. And that she, cause she said what happened at the pool and he told her some elaborate story that I was doing to him at the pool. And that's how I got hurt because he was, you know, not doing, I mean, it was like, I don't even know this whole elaborate story. I don't know that I've ever heard the whole story. And she knew that I had been struggling with him. And so I get home from the emergency room with, you know, the, the boot and go see your orthopedic doctor later in the week. And she leaves, you know, everybody's da, 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 da. And the very next day, my in-laws are coming in from cross country. And so there's no time to really talk. And they're here for like a week and I have to hobble around and cook for everyone. And, and so I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do by, you know, staying off my foot. But when no one else is kicking in and helping you and your husband's at work, like you have people to entertain, you right. know, it's a completely different story. Um, so after they leave, she comes over and she's very serious and she said, I need to talk to you. This is, you know, I know that you're struggling with him and do you need help? Because he has said, and he told, she told me a bunch of things that he said, and I was just stunned. I mean, for the very first time in my life, I thought I am facing evil. Like none of that happened. And here's a person who's known me for at least 10 years. She's known my biological children. She knows that I, how I parent, you know, and I thought she, he fooled this person. So I was very calm. I couldn't talk to him for several days. I literally could only acknowledge his needs. I was just like speechless. And so um, I'm also kind of sassy. And so at some point after I got over this, I said, here's the deal. If you don't feel safe, I will hand you the phone. I will dial Child Protective Services for you. And they'll come get you if you don't feel safe. And I'm okay with that. If you feel like you need to go, you can call them. But I want you to know they're also going to take your brothers. And you're all going to go to a different home because I wanted it to feel like, you know. And I said, and I'm going to take a vacation. And then I'll come get you. And I'll get you back. You will come back to us because I'm not hurting you and I'm not doing anything. But I'm going to take a break first. Like, I need a break. 
And so, of course, he, you know, does whatever and he doesn't need to call, you know, protective services and whatever. But it was the first moment I realized I am in over my head, quite frankly, literally, at one point. I was in a boot for 16 weeks. I ended up having surgery on my foot. And it was like, to this day, um, nobody acknowledged the broken foot. I just, I, Heather was losing her, you know, Heather had an attitude. Heather was feisty. Heather was mad. She was having a temper tantrum, whatever it is that anybody wanted to say I did because I was frustrated and I didn't even know what had happened. And so I was like, okay. And it wasn't until he went for treatment several years later that he said, I tried to drown my mom in a swimming pool. And it was like, when I heard that, I was like, everyone needs to know this. Like, and I wasn't trying to like make him look bad. I was trying to prove that I'm not insane. And then of course his therapist at home, not the therapist he was working with, but was, she was like, that's a 16 year old boy telling, making, making common sense of what happened. And I'm like, but it's what happened. Like, don't discount it. It is what happened. I know it wasn't like premeditated manslaughter, right. you know, like attempted murder. It wasn't that I know that, but it did happen. And it, and I wanted everyone to And it wasn't an accident like, and it wasn't him really feeling like he was drowning and hanging on to somebody. It was purposeful. Right. And I'm like, I'm sure in the beginning it was a panicked mm-hmm. moment and I'm sure that it was all every man for themselves because that's how he had been, you know, that's how life had been for him. He had to take care of himself. I know mentally I understand rad and I understand how that doesn't connect and all, but when it's happening to you, it's so It is. Different. You're just in it. I tell people all the time. Yeah. I go, it's really the disorder. I will call it the disorder, but when it's happening to you, it is that child. You feel like that child is attacking you. Yeah. And it is, you know, I mean, it's yeah. how it feels. And so how long did you go before you found out? So you're living, cause what I find is you live like this, you try and parent like every other parent, but things are not happening in the same way. You're not getting the same responses. You're dealing with all this crazy stuff that other people don't have to deal with. We can't explain it. You just know something's not right. When did you find out it was rad and how did that kind of turn things around or did it help? Did it matter by then? Was it too long? He was, well, in third grade, I noticed he's tried to forge our name. He's doing different things. And it was like, I asked the school for help. And of course, what they saw at school was vastly different than what I saw at home, but they did see some behaviors because some of them were learning disabilities that they couldn't deny. But it was like, oh, you know, just kind of brush it under the rug and we'll, um, well, we'll check it. I said, nobody's looking at his homework. He's writing Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse for answers and no one's calling him on it, you know, and it was very frustrating. And so, they said, okay, well, we'll, um, we'll check his work every day. And, and at the end of the week, if he does all his work, we'll give him a candy or whatever. And it was infuriating to me because I'm like, I don't reward you for doing what you're supposed to do. No one sends me cookies because I got up this morning and cooked right. breakfast, you know, like this is very infuriating. But when you're parenting a, a neurotypical child, it's very infuriating and that's not, and it's not how you do it. But so we homeschooled him. I homeschooled him that year. And as my entire family will tell you, the darkest year of our entire lives, like very dark. But in turn, I learned about some learning disabilities and we got him some help for, I didn't know what executive functioning was. And I know that he doesn't have any executive functioning for the most part. I know that he has some processing disorders. So that was helpful to an extent. It answered why two plus two 
couldn't be recalled again. But not always, you know, because you know that if his dad would have said, what's two plus two, I mean, dad would come home and he'd just rattle off everything that he needed to. But if I was asking, he couldn't. So I put him back in school in fourth grade and he had an IEP, which in my head, I wanted, it's funny because I was thinking about this in the shower today. In my head, I thought IEPs were going to be the thing. Like it is going to help me get him learn, if you will. You know, it's going to help me help them teach him. And I'm not discounting what the school system does when they try and they do IEPs, but in a kid for a kid like this, and he's now 17, I have just had to say that IEP is just saving the school district from why their test scores are so bad because this kid can't perform on tests or whatever. And here's your excuse. And, you know, I, I tell his teachers all the time, you could give him five years to finish an assignment or you can give him five minutes. He's not going to do it. It, it doesn't matter what you do. So I didn't even want the IP by the end of his, you know, high, by his high school, I was like, that's pointless, it's stupid. But I thought it was going to help me at the time help him get educated. So I pushed and pushed and pushed, but each year he's failing and failing and failing until the end of the year and he has, you know, C's and he passes. And so seventh grade comes along and I'm like, how can we put a kid in a junior high where we lived? It was seventh and eighth grade was junior high. When he's failed fourth grade, fifth grade, and sixth grade math, how do, how's he possibly going to learn? And so we're going to homeschool him again. And my husband's like, are you sure? And I'm like, oh yeah, now I understand. You know, clearly I'm a sucker, right? So we come up with this idea. My husband figured out that if he's, if our child was doing his thing to mom, he had to do push-ups or sit-ups. And it would be like, do 10 push-ups, do 10 sit-ups. It wasn't, but it really brought his brain, like I could get him focused again. So it was a good thing, I thought. Now, mind you, when I'm homeschooling him in third grade, I'm noticing that like, oh, he's gonna go out and play. Okay, it's recess. We lived on five acres and we had this humongous garage. It was literally ginormous, like eight car garage. You could do, it was wonderful. But, and it's great when you have boys that work on cars, right? But I went out there a couple of times and I'm like, it smells like smoke. It smells like someone lit a match, right? And I'm like, interesting, whatever. Like no one's home. So why is this? And then a couple of times it would be when my husband was home and I'm like, did you? No, I don't, you know, no, I don't know. I kind of see what you're saying, whatever. So fast forward now, I figured it out when we moved, there was a pile of matches under the shelf where our gas cans sat. So literally that whole time, like he lit a candle, shut the door and went to school in fourth grade. So the whole time we're living, like I can't figure out why this whole end of this house smells like it's hot. I mean, this glass jar is a can like you can't have candles now, you can't have this and that. I mean, just all these different things. He tried to light a match on fire and his with this carpet. I mean, I thought the I mean, light a marble, light a marble on fire on his carpet. Like it was weird. Anyway, so fast forward. So we're going to do this again. So I finally have him in some therapy. Yes, so he has ADHD. Okay, so medicine is ADHD. Medicine actually kind of helped me at least be able to communicate. It calmed him down enough that he could fake it. I, I realize now. So we're going to a therapist and I'm excited because in third grade we had so much progress in therapy because he was home and I didn't have to go around school schedules. So in seventh grade, I'm like, Oh yeah, his therapist, bless her heart. We always were in together and I'm not sure why, but she, but I would go first. I would go in by myself first. Then we would go, he would come in and then he would go out and I would remain in. So it was really interesting because it wasn't how any other therapy had worked, but she said, I, 
I found this video someone sent it to me and I want you to watch it. I think this is your son. And I'm like, okay. So she emails it to me and it's the wretched, the wretched guy with the, ah, the screaming. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I just watched in horror as he's listing these things. And I'm like, that is my kid. Like we had done some ACEs. I forget what ACEs stands for, but it's like childhood experiences and it's, there's like 21 you can score. And he had scored 18. We had had training on ACEs at some point over this the adoption period. Like once he was adopted, we had done some training, but I didn't know what, okay, great. So that means they have, you know, they could go to jail and they could have health issues, but nobody told you what to do with that information. So I stored it wherever. So when I read, watch this video, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it. And well, this poor therapist, she instantly diagnosed him with RAD. She said, I agree. Give him the RAD diagnosis. She goes, I don't know what to do. I've never, I'm not a RAD therapist. I don't know what to do, but I know that this will help you get services. That's all she could tell me. And I'm like, okay, great. In the meantime, he has done some things where he is now in trouble with the child or youth division of our police department. And, you know, looking at pornography and stuff like that. So I also was told that I can't get him the services he needs unless he has um, a record. He has a criminal record, which I thought was bizarre, but okay. So I know this is a really long, like convoluted way to get to your answer, but it all kind of chimes in with, so she gives me this diagnosis and he's starting to do things like he's looking at porn. He's getting other people's cell phones. I mean, he's cracking codes of codes of codes of security, like mastermind. If these kids would just use their intelligence for good instead of evil, they would be so successful. And so I used to call my kids used to watch um, Phineas oh, right. and Ferb and I used to call my kid Dr. Doofenshmirtz or whatever his name is because he's like so smart but he uses <laughs> it for evil like literally I felt like that's who this kid was so anyway I get we have a we lived in a town they felt like they were still small town they're still they're 100,000 people at this point but they're next to a major city in California so they were still little town an amazing police department to this day. They're amazing. And so I went in and I said, I need help. And there's, I meet this lady and she's like, oh yeah, no, this isn't going to fly. This is what we're going to do. So she, she actually tells me I have to bring him in so she can tell what's going to happen. And I said, well, here's what I've learned. I can't bring him to you because if I bring him to you, it's something that mom did to him. It's not him causing himself this problem. She goes, okay. She sent a police officer out to our house later that day to write him an, a warrant and it was a legit ticket if you will but it's a it's a code that they use in the youth department that just it, they know it's not like it is a legit code but they don't do anything with it so it said that he had to appear and so he had to appear at this lady's office right so his dad and i take him in and i'm all, I, I am literally giddy like the moment you have lived through rad kids and i know it sounds terrible but the moment someone else is going to do something for you you feel like you've won the damn lottery. I don't care what it is. You've yes. won. So there I sit, you know, and um, he, uh, he, got sent, he got sentenced, if you will, to four weeks of community service. And this is right before Easter, so we don't do the service yet. In that period of time while we're waiting, I had, he had gotten somehow gotten a hold of someone's electronic device again from school or from somewhere and I caught him looking at porn again so we put we have a, a 
toddler in the house. And so I've already, I'm sleeping with one eye open and a knife under my pillow and all these other things, because I know that, you know, he's had knives, he's made shanks, he's done all kinds of things that I know he wants to use on me that no one else believes, you know? So, but I can, I can protect myself, but I don't know that I can protect her in the whole situation. So we put in a little alarm on his door. We did it one night while he was in bed, the door, he always slept with the door closed. And all it did was bing bong when he, when, when he opened the door. Well, that infuriated him the next morning because it startled him. And of course the first person he saw was the only person home besides his sister was me. So to get back at me for a month, or more. I know when it, I know when we did that. And I know about the time that I discovered we had just moved into this house and we had kind of gutted it and we were flipping it and we had redone everything in this house. He started peeing under the bed and he shared the room with my oldest son again, because my oldest son was in college. And so his stuff was kind of packed up and our, you know, son was living in that room and he was stealing stuff from his sister and then pretending he didn't know where it was. And she's three, I mean, two and a half, three, seriously. So I'm tearing his room apart one day and I'm like, I know it's in here. I know you've done it. Where'd you put it? And he's smirking at me, standing with his hands on his hips in the doorway while I'm, you know, going through this stuff in his room. And I pull up the bed skirt and stick my face under his bed to look under. And it's right in this urine soaked carpet. And I was not even shocked because I had been on, Facebook sites where I knew kids did this, they poop in there, you know, I mean, I was just lucky he hadn't been pooping right. anywhere. Right. So I just called a friend, a fellow rad mom. And I said, you got a carpet cleaner. And she's like, Oh no. Like she knew instantly what had happened. And my husband was up helping her husband. So she sent the carpet cleaner home and he comes home like all jolly, like here's a carpet cleaner, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's cause he peed under the carpet. He's like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, no, this is not. Oh, okay. Like, does no one see this is wrong? And and I don't even remember what my husband must have thought because I said, no, this kid delivered. He told me he gets out of bed every night, lays down, turns his body just the right way to pee under the bed because the bed sat low. Like he told me how he did it. And I was so infuriated. I was like, you're sleeping in the bathroom. You have to, you know, he goes, well, I was just mad because I didn't like to, I didn't first it was, I, I couldn't open the door because the alarm would go off and I'm afraid it'll wake up sister, which was a cock. I knew it was crap, but then later it was, I was mad at you because you put an alarm on my door and, it, you know, people would know what I was doing. And I was like, that's why I put the alarm on your door. So now I have him, I'm putting him, I'm going to have him sleep in the bathroom, in the bathtub because it's protected, you know, in my head. Okay. And then I thought, no, I know what he'll do. He'll take his sleeping bag. He'll run the water in the shower. Then he'll let it go. And then it'll still be moist and damp in the tub. And he will put his sleeping bag in there. We'll get mold and mildew and everything like that. And he'll sleep in that. So no, we got a cot and we put it in the, in the main part of the bathroom, you know, and it was our hall bathroom where everyone that visited stayed. And so now my kids are like, mom, how are friends going to be here? He goes to bed at seven. Where are they going to go to the bathroom? They're teenagers, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of awkward. Cause now what do you say? Well, my brother peed under the bed. So I'm like, all right, we put him in our master bath bathroom, which was of course attached to my bedroom. So now I have my enemy sleeping in the room next to me, like literally in my room. So we have alarms everywhere. The kid's sleeping on a cot. I mean, he's got a pretty good, but I knew what he was going to do. He's going to tell them that I'm abusing him and this and that. So we go to his youth thing after he served his time. And I tell his lady, I said, well, he was peeing under the bed and I saw him looking like he's going to wrap me out. And I said, so, and I thought, I could either be setting myself up for trouble, like I, if it's not 
allowed or I could be okay. And I thought, I'm just going to wing it right now. And I said, he is sleeping in the bathroom. He has a cot in his bed, in his um, sleeping bag and a pillow. And he has a closet. We had a little linen closet. So I put seven underwear, seven socks, up, just a week's worth of clothing in there. Everything else was gone. At the time we found the peeing, we found out he had done destroyed a ton of my oldest son's stuff. He had stolen stuff from my son. That was things from my grandma that no one else had. So you couldn't have worn these pieces or whatever. But anyway, we find it all out. And the lady, and I said, so, you know, is that okay? Like he's, she goes, she just looked at him. She was so scary, super sweet, but had this look of, you know, death. And she goes, do you have a roof over your head? He goes, yeah. She goes, does your mother feed you or do you eat at school? You know, and he wasn't in school yet. Does your mother feed you? Yeah. And she goes, well, I got kids living homeless in a car. They get one meal a day. You're lucky you have a roof over your head she's not doing anything wrong. And I was like, another victory, like this woman. So I thought, okay, great. So we learn about Rad, we learn that I'm the nurturing enemy in this whole school year. So there's like a month and a half left of school. And I was like, how would you wanna spend every day of your life with a person that is your nurturing enemy, that is your enemy? You're gonna feel like you have to be in fight mode all the time. So I'm gonna put him back in school. And I had gotten him caught up in math. I mean, the kid could do algebra. He could do the whole nine yards, right? I'm like feeling good. So luck, thankfully for us, this principal that was at his elementary school that knew him had moved up to the junior high that he was going to that same year. So I emailed her and I had a big meeting. It was so amazing. Like, I don't know how I worked it all, but I went in and I said, sat down with every teacher that could come into contact with them, the counselor, the principal, the you name it, like this huge discussion and I took the teachers you know the whole letter about rad and I said it's a really long read so I'll give you the synopsis in case you know you don't have time to read it on you know in the library the bathroom you know I said this is what it says this is what he's going to do he's going to tell you I beat him I neglect him I know you have to report that because you're mandated reporters and I'm okay if you call me and tell me you've got to do that you're not going to offend me I get it and they're all like eyes are wide open like I am calling the I am calling the elephant in the room out every bit of it. And I said, he will say this, he does this, he has, and basically the best I could explain it to them is I said, rat is like having a traumatic brain injury. Parts of his brain don't work the way they should. I need you to understand that when he tells you something, you look, he's exceptionally convincing and he's adorable, handsome, beautiful brown eyes. He's an amazing child, sweet, kind, considerate, polite, obedient, everything. Just take a moment to think about what I have said to you when he tells you something. Like just pause for a moment before you do. So I had no problems that whole school year. Like he went back to school, he did well. He was in a, pro a program that he only had like two teachers. And so this teacher held him you know, to the fire and he did well. So seventh grade is done, eighth grade comes along. And he's, they're going to put him in what I call general population. And I'm like, oh, but he's been in this like group that will keep him. Okay, okay, okay. So again, all the teachers right. know. So it is now we've gone through eighth, almost eighth grade. We're back, we're at spring break. And we're going to take him out in a couple extra, we're going to take him out a couple extra days before spring break. And we're going to go see my in-laws cross country. He's never flown. He's all excited. And he comes home one day and he says, oh my gosh, you're never going to believe it. I think they think I'm selling drugs because they searched my backpack and they questioned me. And I'm thinking, okay, Heather, think about this. This does not sound normal. I know the school district. My kids have gone through this school district. They have protocol. But, you know, a couple of things have been in the news lately about things happening. So maybe 
I know his perception's off, but whatever. So I had to call the school to find out what work he needed. So I asked his case manager or whatever she was called at the school, you know, I said, did any of this happen? She's like, that doesn't sound like anything, but you know, I can connect you with that. It was a coach. I can connect you with that coach. Just, okay. So I get the office there and they put the coach on the phone and I don't know this guy's name. I've never heard of him come to find out he was new because the coach that I did know got promoted. And so this guy's coming in the last six weeks of school. Now, you know, where I'm going with the Rookie. new part, right? And I, <laughs> yep. And I said, so, you know, my son says, he goes, no, I never did that, but maybe they used my office. And I said, oh no, he was very specific in his details of what you said, what you did, what you were wearing the whole nine yards. And he was like, no, that wasn't me. Do you want me to, to get him and pull him out of class and talk to him? And I said, oh yeah. Cause I'm thinking, not realizing this guy does not know the story, right? He goes, okay, I'll call you back. This should take 20 minutes. It was like 45 minutes later, I get a call. And he's like, so I've spoken with him and he's in the, you know, he's in my office with me. And this is what, this is why he said that. We didn't search him, but you know, he said he knows that his baby sister, who's now four, okay? His baby sister requires so much work from you guys and that he, she is so, um, such a handful and he knows that you love him, but you guys don't let him in the house after school. He's only allowed to come in and eat and then he has to go back out and he's not allowed to come in until bedtime and you don't do anything like the whole gamut of rad crap. Right. And I'm sitting there smoke like the, like the cartoon characters blowing out my ears. I am ready to just go to jail to hurt these people. Right. And I'm like, okay. And I'm calm. And I said, Does, did he tell you that he has reactive attachment disorder? I go, were you? And then I, he goes, no, I'm new. And I went, okay. and he goes, I said, well, he has reactive attachment disorder. I said, that means, and I start to explain. And he goes, you don't have to defend your parenting with me. And I was like, I'm not defending my parenting. And it was at that moment, I realized that if I def, de, quote, defended my parenting, I was guilty. If I didn't defend my parenting, I was guilty. Like I was damned either way. So I just said, oh, okay. And I just shut up. And he goes, would you like to talk to him? And I said, I would. And he goes, okay. And he puts him on the phone. And I said, neglect. That's the best you could come up with is neglect. And he goes, yeah. And I go, whatever. And hung up on him. Like I had nothing to say besides I couldn't say what I wanted to. Right. So I called my husband. I'm like, he brought the da da da. And I just went off. And my husband who really never saw the behaviors couldn't deny that this had happened. But you know, like, okay, this happened. So I said, he's not going on vacation with us. And he's like, well, where you? I go, I will ask my dad. I called my dad and my dad, who's like, I'm an only child and I am my dad's, you know, princess. And he would do whatever. I mean, he would take on this difficult child if he had to, just like, he can stay with me. I'm like, okay. So I called and I canceled the airline ticket. And of course we couldn't get credit. It could only be in the kid's name. And I'm like, whatever, I will lose $365 just to make this happen. So we went on our vacation and ironically, I had met a couple at church and we had gone to church there forever and they knew, everybody knew we had adopted. And of course our son was just so charming and sweet and engaging and nobody really saw the behaviors, but they also knew our biological children. So they just were really struggling with, she says this is going on, we don't see this is going on, but she's not really crazy. So like it was, you know, then they just drop it and whatever. And so we had a, a his the youth lady the youth group leader had said i want i have a guy i think could mentor him and so i met with the guy because i was like yeah i gotta know what this is gonna be like right and i meet this guy he's amazing i love this man to this uh. day he is he 
he had amazing first five years of his life. So it was backwards from rad. And he goes, my life imploded at five. And then I went and got in trouble. And I mean, like divorce and all this stuff happened and crazy stuff. And he got into drugs and all this stuff. So he could kind of relate, put the screws to my kid and kind of relate like, but still not in the manner of your brain is broken. I didn't understand your brain is broken. So he met with him while we went away on vacation. He goes, oh, no, let him come over. He goes, I got work to do. I will work him to the bone. And so they cut, they, they cut trees down. I mean, he worked him in. He, so my dad only had him like two days, and he stayed with this, this couple the rest of the time. And ironically, this gentleman had, in his previous life, I call it, had married someone who was a drug addict, and he didn't know. And she had two kids, and he adopted them and then found out what was going on. He was in the military. So when he would come home, it, it all started to click. Well, when they divorced, he got custody of the children and the son at that in in the state they lived in at the time was 13. So he could choose who he wanted to live with. And of course took the lesser, the path of least resistance, which was mom, but the daughter wasn't old enough. So she had to come live with them. And she, we look back now and she definitely had rad, but so he had parented this. So he was very military. So he got it done, you know, and I had a great vacation and, and I, I felt so bad though, leaving like this kid should be on his first airplane ride, but it was like the most amazing week of my life to just have only one child with me and nobody, you know, no one saw it. My in-laws just always thought I was crazy to this day. I mean, bless their hearts, but it's still my problem, not, not his, you know, even though he's gone to therapy, like gone away for treatment, like legitimately I have a valid, this is really happening. It's still me. Right. So that's how we came to know Rad was this therapist. We didn't know what to do with it. And we we still didn't know what to do with it. I just found um, his treatment facility and fought the state of California for two years to get him to be able to go there. And so when he did, I thought he was gone for at least 18 months. And I was like, fine, I'm taking six months off to not do anything. And he was coming home four months in. They're like, he's ready to come home. And I'm like, oh, no, he's not because I am not ready for him. And I found a therapist out here who helped me get to the point of allowing him to come back home and then worked with us extensively. And so he did great. He's been home a year and a half now. And it's been really good. I I laugh because all these things we actually, our family is very sarcastic. So when you make a mistake, we're going to call you out on it. We're going to laugh at you and with you. Like, it's just how we are. And it's one of those things, like the first time I said, well, you tried to drown me for goodness sakes. What do you expect? And he just looked at me and we kind of chuckled. And it was like, I just saw in this whole shift, like I'm part of this family. Like they're making fun of something I did. And I was making fun of it, but also like, hello, I know. Because in the program, he was supposed to make amends with everyone. And he was supposed to say on video to my face what he did. And he didn't know that I had heard him say it already because we got to watch the sessions even when he didn't know we were. So I knew it and he didn't know. He just thought that his therapist told me, but I, I wanted to address the elephant in the room again. So I just said it. And then about um, six months ago, he had been working over the summer and he was able to buy himself a phone, an actual cell phone. He still has all kinds of restrictions on it, but he was able to, his, the phone we had gotten him for Christmas had, um, wasn't working or whatever. And I said, well, I don't buy new cell phones. You can have mine and I get a new one or you can buy a refurbished and I can help you, but I don't spend money for kids on new cell phones. And he wanted the latest. So he, at the time he had money saved and he went and bought his own cell phone. And it was ironic because the day it came was another moment of like, 
I'm, I'm in, like I've arrived and my older boys have worked my oldest since he was nine and my, my middle son since he was like 13. So they've always had money to buy their own cars or, you know, do things. I mean, we paid for school things. They didn't, they weren't on their own, but they could buy things that they wanted. And this kid could never buy things because he could never earn money. And so he was able to buy the, that and he bought himself an electric bike to ride to work because we live where it's very hilly. And so in like the course of like two weeks, he spent $1,200 and still had a grip of cash in the bank. And he just all of a sudden was like, I am legitimately part of this family. Like his brothers can buy themselves things. He could buy himself things. He just felt so legitimately part of the family. So it was nice that we've had a great time. It's been really, really great. And it's hard to like, I don't want to go on any of my Facebook <laughs> pages and say like, it's been going good because I don't want people to have a false hope. Like it's a lot of work and you have to find the right person and the right people aren't available right. to many. And we were just blessed to get handed some breaks and need to just call the state out. I knew that they had to pay for it. I knew they had to, I knew the rules and the laws about his funding. And so it took me a long time to dig to find where I could prove to them. But in the end it was okay, well, you can approve it or deny it. And I'm going to take you and appeal it. We're going to go to court. I have proof that the court has already said you will pay for this place for another kid in California. So I knew that be done. they would do it. Right. And so they finally conceded with a little tiny one line, one line sentence in like a seven paragraph email to me. And I would have missed it had I not like been just so upset with the social worker and bless her heart. It's not her fault, but she just kept telling me no, no, no. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And she wouldn't let me talk to anyone else. And so, um, yeah. So I hate to say like, Oh, it can be good. It can be good. And it's nice to know that it can be good. It's also heartbreaking when it turns not good. And so when it's been going well for so long, it's like when he, when they do something that is rad, it hurts like way worse because it's like, we've worked so hard to get past this and then you did it again. And so I feel it like, right. here we go again. Like the whole, you know, the whole thing just comes crashing down on me. And so then Look, obviously because of his sister living with us, she wasn't that, her diagnosis is not rad. It is a developmental trauma disorder, but it's complex trauma. So she's attached to us because we're the only people she's ever known, but she learned verbatim how to treat mom. So when we are alone together, it is World War Three. Mm. It is hell in this house. And I hate it. And I hate that I can't parent her like I want to, like I parented my biological kids. I know she has potential, but if I even say, oh my gosh, you would, you know, you could do this, then she cannot do it. It is like, if I say, I mean, it's like the epitome of reverse psychology to like the a level of Star Trek. Like, it's just so great that you have to do it. And to have to parent with like, I even had to do it yesterday. I could call my husband at work and tell him what was going on. Cause really I want like literally at that point, I was like, find her a boarding school. I'm done. I mean, she's six. I can't do that. But it was like, and she's not that bad. It's just so traumatizing because I've already lived through it. So the, my instant PTSD gut reaction is, oh my God, I have 13, you know, 12 more years of this. I'm not going to make it 12 more years. I can't do this 12 more years. I panic. My anxiety kicks in. I literally crumble. And I'm not that person. My family is not super big on mental illness. And so to be depressed, anxiety, and PTSD is like, what? Just deal with it. Like that's every day I hear, 
let it go, deal with it, whatever. And so I try really hard, but so I had to call my husband and be like, when you get home, this is how we have to do it because I've talked with the therapist and this is how we have to do it. So he has to, you know, basically I can tell her that's not the way you treat mom, but mom is a piece of dirt to her. So that dirt is telling you not to treat it like dirt. whoop de doo mm-hmm. who cares? So we have to have the person that she doesn't think is dirt stand behind me figuratively speaking and say, you can't treat your mom like that. And if you do, here's the consequence. I didn't parent my child, biological children like that. They were just, you know, I asked them one day, I go, why didn't, you know, it was never, I'm going to call your dad. I never had to do that. And they were just like, because we didn't want to let you down, but see, they have that bond and relationship with you. And they knew that mom and dad were a team. I mean, we just had been. And so if mom said, don't do it, if we continued, we would end up in trouble by dad because it would just, it would just happen. You know, it wasn't like I called and ratted him out or anything. So it's been very challenging to learn to have to, like, I feel stupid. I feel like an incapable mom when I have to call my right. husband at work. So when he comes home, he can, you know, parent. And I'm like, good Lord, this is just terrible. And I'm 50. I shouldn't even. Right. And there's so this. many steps to it. So much more that you have to do. And so when, when your son started getting therapy, it sounds like that's when everything changed and you were able, lucky enough, like you say, to find good therapy. So big relief. And you had a positive outcome but you're right. We can't always find those people because there aren't very many specialists in the area who work with rad kids. And then, right. Or that even understand just all the things you did even without knowing. And then all the things you keep doing as a mom and especially as a rad mom, it's extra, extra, extra. I mean, even having to go and spend the time doing all the research to fight the state and your parenting, it's It's exhausting. exhausting. And your parenting, a child with reactive attachment disorder and doing all the things. Your whole life is consumed by it. I mean, your whole life is consumed. And and it's amazing how it just takes over. Even when he was away, I said something about, I'm not ready for him to come home. I haven't had a break. And my husband's like, he's been gone for five months. What do you mean you haven't had a break? And I said, I still have to deal with the payments and the therapist and the calls and the blah, blah, blah. It's every week. I still have to look that child in the face every week and have a therapy session with them. When really at that moment, I can look back and tell you, and I will say this because I'm the person that will say what you're thinking. I didn't ever want him to come home. I didn't like him. I didn't want to look at him. I was done. I was done. I was done. I was done. It's like trying to explain to someone Basically, now I just say I was in a domestic violence situation. Because it is. You were, you were abused. It's domestic abuse. And call it what it is. And it looks weird because it's coming from your kid. But it is. If my husband had been doing those things to me, there would have been so many people lined up at my door to get me out of that house. Like, get out. This is not healthy for you. Yet the people that you need to do that can't even yeah. see it. So it's just happening. And you're like, I'm not crazy. My mom, my own mom. I mean, she, she died a little over five years ago and she had some, she grew up very um, abused and neglected. So looking back, she had rad personality disorder, whatever the DMDD, whatever you want to call it um, as an adult. And she parented very, I didn't know it at the time, but the control, she can control me until I was 18. And then I went and I was a great kid. Like my mom, one of her friends was like, met me and I was 40. She goes, oh my gosh, I thought you had a halo over your head the way your mom talks about you. But my mom never treated me that way. Once I became an adult, there was always something 
I wasn't, I couldn't live up to the standards that she was faking. I did, you know, like this perfect child. So, um, but she saw herself in him. Wow. And so she, uh, she just still attacked me. Like, you're so mean, you need this, you that, you're meaner to him. You don't treat. And I'm like, I'm doing this. You have biological grandchildren that are amazing. I'm parenting him the same way. So we really, um, I mean, I had to take care of her. She was sick for 12 years. So I helped my dad take care of her. So, but it was very not the relationship we had growing up when she passed away. And so, and it was kind of weird because when she passed away and people be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's okay. She was, she was challenging. Like I would almost discount it. Like I wanted them to know that she had been mean to me. Like now I look back and I go, she did the best she could. You know, I don't, I always knew they were doing the best they could. And that's how I parented doing the best I could. But for a while, I like needed everyone to know I'm not crazy. So whatever yes. was like, oh, your kid, yeah, I'm not crazy. He is. So I'm not crazy. Right, she was, right. you know. And now it's just like, oh, fine. I'm because crazy, it is whatever. lonely, and like you say, the nurturing enemy. Everything happens mostly. Everything happens to mom. People don't see it. It happens at home because that's where the love and the nurturing yeah. comes, and they'll do anything to get out of that, avoid it. But it's usually the mom that's yeah. providing most of that. But like you say, you get out into the community and they can act. There's no fear of attachment or connecting. No, so they're no. different people. But, and the sad thing is, is I think for moms especially, is it happens 24 hours a day. And it's not always blatant. It's little things, but it's purposeful. It's like having that mean girl in your, or a bully in your life 24 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. And even as an adult, you know, um, you cannot sustain taking that every day, all day, but we do and be a parent, but then eventually you get this PT, yeah, SD. And of course you don't want to be around that person, you know, and then you don't have people to turn to the people that you turn to don't understand and think that, oh, you're just not parenting correctly, but you're doing everything and more above and beyond than any parent has to do. And to parent correctly, you just do it backwards. Right. I mean, you stand on your head and do the opposite of what you feel is normal. And it usually will work. But sometimes you don't even know what the opposite Mm. is. You know, it's just, it's not. And I know for me, um, with having other children, one of my, my heart is with the the other children, like the kids and the family that go through this. And I learned they're called glass children because we can look, you know, we look through them because we think they're doing so well, you know? And Mm. so I didn't, I didn't know what was going on in my house because I'm so traumatized that I can't see it happening to others. And I'm just looking to, for someone to Mm -hmm. validate and survive. You're surviving, right? That's all you can do. Survival. Yeah. It's absolutely all you can do every day my oldest was being affected and I didn't know it. My biological youngest son, so it would be our middle son, was being affected, but in a different way. So my oldest son, what I started to notice is he just got more intense, more in your face. Look at me. I'm doing this. I'm number one in my class. I'm this, I'm this, you know, like it was almost, I called it the firstborn perfectionist, you know, like, look at me. I'm the greatest. And my middle son was just super quiet. And I called him my easy kid. Like, Oh, he just doesn't cause me any trouble. He doesn't try to get any attention. He's just easy. He's the one that turned out to struggle the most at that time. Like depression hit. He had no friends. He was, 
he said I'm not suicidal, but I have depression. I know where he was headed without treatment, without acknowledgement, those kind of things. And to think that I could have lost him over trying to help some other child, you know, just is like baffling to me. But he's my super just kind-hearted, sweet kid. And it's funny because the other day I was really struggling with something and they're adults now. So it was, you know, this dance, we call it the dance. Like I, my oldest and I have to go through each cycle of life in the, we call it the dance. We, we don't know how to do this. You're my first child. I don't know what it looks like to take you away to college. So bear with me. And he's like, works with me, but he's super great. But my middle son, I, he moved out when he was 18 because he didn't want to go to college and you have to pay rent at our house if you're not going to go to college and be in school, which is called adulting. He decided he wanted to move out with some friends. So he did right, be, right after he turned 18. And then two months later, we moved across the country. And so I never knew him as an adult child. So he's 21 now and I'm seeing this. I'm still thinking like I've got to parent as a, as an older child, I have to parent through this breakup and get back together with this girlfriend and, you know, navigate that. And are you, I see him, he's always pulling for Mm. the underdog. Like I am like, we'll take this underdog kid and we'll make him the greatest and show him his value, you know? And so I'm like, I was struggling and then I didn't know how to bring it up to him. And I was like, just in my own head at this point thinking, can I just go to sleep and never wake up? Cause this is way too much work, way too much work. I'm done. And I finally called him and just, it was easier to do it over the phone. Cause I knew I would cry and I don't like them to feel bad because right. I cry. So it wasn't like do something cause mom's crying. It was just like, that's how I, I keep it bottled up until I can't. And it's not good, you know? And so I was telling him and he's like, oh no, mom, I've thought about this. And he gave me this whole like theological, psychological, like this whole thing he had gone through. And I was like, well, I guess I just don't know you as an adult child. Like, that's all I can say is like, I don't know him. So I learned like, he's so wise beyond his years, but there is a part of him, just like rad kids are so skilled at being survival. Like you could throw them out in the middle of the wilderness with a knife and they could live for decades, you know? This kid was so well, so so he's so far grounded and, and advanced in his thought process and internal thoughts and how he feels about himself and who he is and what he wants and things like that. He's still kind of stunted in some other areas, but I, I just see the stunted areas and I didn't see the other area. And so it was neat to learn that. But then I also was talking to my oldest son. So my middle son and my youngest son, we've all done the therapy together because my middle son moved out here with us the month after our rad child went away to therapy. So in order to bring him home, my one rule was it won't just be me. I need everyone to be on board or he can't come home. And I don't, I will take the blame but I can't do it myself. And so every guy in my life, cause that's all I had besides my daughter was, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Which worked for about 18 months. And then they, you know, they have attention span that just kind of weaned away. And I had to call them all out on, I'm doing this myself. But he said, you know, he was there, he would help. And so he went through therapy. He kind of learned, and then he's been working with uh, the group Rad right. Sibs. And he did an interview with um, the them and another Rad sibling. And I was, shocking to hear. I I didn't ever know what he went through. I didn't see that. I didn't know any of that. So I'm sitting, if you ever watch that video, I'm literally in the background bawling my eyes out. Like I felt like, oh my gosh, I, you know, let them down. And my oldest wasn't around. He had gone to college and then we moved out. He was 20 something early twenties. And he had one quarter left of college. He had graduated, but had to go back for a quarter. So he stayed across the country and he's just made his life there. 
And anytime I've talked to him, he doesn't want to talk about Rad. He doesn't care about that kid. I never want to see him again. I never, this, you know, he's done. And he came out a year ago at Christmas or Thanksgiving and he had nothing to do. We all walked on eggshells. Literally all of us walked on eggshells because our Rad kid was home and he had made great strides, but I didn't know how these right. two were going to do. And at the end, the last day he walked up and he said, you know, it was that night before he was leaving and he, he came down and my rad child was sitting there and I was sitting there and he said, I came out here to fix, to rekindle relationships with my grandparents and people, because now we live near my in-laws and people that I didn't get to see much growing up. And he goes, and to be honest with them, nobody wanted to spend time with me. So poo-poo on them, he said another word, you know, and he goes, but you do. And he just looked at our son and he said, you are doing amazing. Keep it up. I notice a difference. And wow. we were all like, my son's looking at me, my rad kids looking at me. And I'm like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So we took him to the airport and that was it. So a couple times over the year that this last year, he's called and he still doesn't want anything. He doesn't want to be recognized. He doesn't want his name. He doesn't want any of our uh, blogs. Like I've had to change names. I've had to do those kind of things. He don't put it on my Facebook. He doesn't want anybody to know this is a part of my life. I hid from people, you know, isn't that, and it was hard because here I'm trying to heal and that's my, you know, going through healing. And then one day he's like, I'm sorry, you can do whatever he goes. I can't write, you know, why would I pee on your parade? And this is helping you. And he's starting to come around, but I said, I think you need to talk to somebody. He's like, I have you. Why do I need to talk to anyone? And I'm like, because <laughs> I can't be your therapist. Like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? And everything that he says, I have to relive letting this child down. Uh, I didn't know. I did not know the crap that my rad kid was putting my oldest son through. Like the things that my middle son went through were just my middle son and my husband, they're loving people, but they're very guarded with their love and affection. And my oldest and I are like, here, we love everyone. Everyone always will give you a chance right. after chance if you deserve, you know. And so this kid was getting as abused as I was over this period of time. And I had no clue, no clue. So I don't have guilt. I just yeah. feel terrible. Like I don't feel guilty because I didn't know. So I can't feel guilty for something I didn't know. But I thought, oh my goodness, like people need to know this is happening to their children, you know. And so um, the other day he called me some things have happened since this, since this realization, you know, he, he uh, had his, had our youngest son come out to visit for a week since Rad has been home from his therapy and he's been home a year and a half. He's since decided that he's still going to rad things with mom a little bit. And so if mom wants you to do something like your schoolwork and she helps you or, or reaches out for you, then you're going to fail that class. <clears throat> you know, the classic, I'm going to sabotage it because my mom talked to my teacher and my teacher likes my mom. So he failed that class and he just doesn't ever want to really do anything. And I just looked at him one day and said, dude, I'm done. I'm not going to be able to hold your hand and get you to graduate or get you through school unless you want to do it. We all know if you don't want to do right. it, you're not going to do it. So tonight before bed, you need to make a decision. You're either going to graduate or you're going to quit school. You're either going to do school or you're going to quit. I don't care which one you choose, but I need you to own whatever one you choose. I need you to figure out a plan and I need you to go forward. I will support you however you want me to support you, but I will not like go in front of him and like arrange things for him. And he decided to quit school. All right. Well, if you're going to quit school, that's great. Anybody that asks you, you have to say, I quit school. Don't sugarcoat it. You have to own it. 
And he had tells therapist, and of course, she's like, oh, I'll help you get your home school. And I'm like, well, that isn't going to happen either, but whatever. Then I said, um, in, in January, I'll give you till January, because this was like September, whatever. I, Octo- it was October. I said, I'll give you till January. You need to start paying rent. So it's $250 a month rent, $50 for your cell phone. I mean, clearly, I'd like to pay $250 somewhere, right? <laughs> so he had it figured out that he had saved enough money that he could pay for over a year's worth of wow. rent with his savings. And I'm like, okay. So he bought a plane ticket to go see his brother, his oldest brother. And he came home. And before he went out, my oldest said, mom, would you let him come live with me for a little bit? And I was like, sure. He's like, well, I can do it. You know? And I said, all right. And he's like, you're not, I'm not, you're not giving me the resistance. And I said, well, let's be honest. Number one, I raised you. I know how he's going to be living at your house. I know what you're going to do to him. You're going to treat him you're going to do the things that I did. So it's not really going to be that different for him. And I said, and second of all, you want to take away the kid that gives me the most stress in my life. (laughs) Oh yeah. I don't know how to fight you on that one. Like, you know, I said, there's just some rules. Like he's still my child. I'm, I'm still responsible for him. So there are things, you know, I said, did you want guardianship? He goes, Oh God, no, I don't want to parent him. I said, okay, I will still parent him while he's living with you. He still has rules and you guys, you know, so we set it all up. And so when he went out, it was a trial, trial run to see how it would work. And he came home and they decided it worked great. And he was going to go out there for a little while. So he bought a plane ticket and he went out right before Thanksgiving and he left on um, Tuesday this week. And I have to tell you that the three and a half weeks of the four weeks between those times sucked like no one's business. Like it was rad all over again, pretending you don't know what something is when you do, breaking all the rules, sneaking and all that stuff. And I was like dying. And my husband kept saying, just let it go. And then we had a countdown on our calendar and my kid called me out. He's like, you probably have a countdown on your phone. And I'm like, no, shaking my head. Yes. The whole time. (laughs) Like there are days when that's all that keeps (laughs) me going, you know? And it was like, my husband would continue, let it go. We only have, you know, X number of days. And one day I just looked at him and I said, like we've been married 25 years. Right. And I looked at him and I said, you say that to me one more time before he leaves and I will punch you. Like that just triggers even more. Like it's, it's telling me you don't, I'm not, you're not validating what's happening. Yeah. You're dismissing it. Right. So I ended up um, taking him to the airport. Cause the big question was, who's going to take him to the airport? And I was like, Oh, it's my biological kids. It would be me, but it's him. I don't really want to take him in. But so I gave him the choice and he goes, I asked him if he wanted me to take him or his grandpa. And my, my dad's driving is, he's 76 and he thinks he's Mario Andretti. So um, nobody likes to ride with him. And so the kid goes, it's okay if you take me. And I knew it wasn't so that I would take him. I mean, it, was be- it wasn't because it was me. It was because I was not his grandpa driving, you know. But I took him a hug to him. I told him I loved him. You know, good luck. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever. You know, it's just, it's a trial run. And um just really was like, oh my gosh, for the first time we've moved again to a different house. And this is the first time that there is nothing rad in this house, except for my little one who has decided that, hey, my brother's not here creating chaos. So I need to ramp it up a little bit. But so I have a house where I don't have memories of all the things that have happened and gone through. So that's been kind of nice. And then the oldest child called me the other night. He's like, I need Uh to talk to you. Okay. He's like, I was talking to my buddy and he's a vet, uh, Iraqi vet or whatever, you know, and he said, I'm angry all the time. And then I'm angry because I'm angry and I'm just PO'd all the time. And it makes it worse. And it builds on itself. And he's like, I'm just so 
angry all the time. And my son goes, mom, that's me. I'm angry all the time. And I'm like, I know you are. Like we have had conversations where I've said, dude, you are so angry all the time. You frighten me. Like you scare me. And he has a wicked tongue like my mom did. So he can just cut you down and you're just feeling like, you know, and I was like, yeah. And he's like, he goes, I think I have PTSD. And I'm like, yeah, you do. And he's like, what? And I'm like, well, you weren't ready to hear it, but yeah, you do. And he's like, do I get a service dog? And I'm like, first, I think you need to go to therapy before you worry about a service dog. But he was shocked that he had PTSD. And I was like, that's the first time that I was able to say, dude, you, he goes, why, 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 why? And I said, because at 13, when you needed the parents to back you, you knew we had your back. We always have, but it was like Swiss cheese. Your development from 13 to 18 and on is like a piece of Swiss cheese. You have holes in that developmental framework that you need to fill. And he's like, wow. And I said, why do you think I'm doing what I'm doing? I'm trying to make it known. Because when we talked about this, he was like, no one was there to help us. Why would I help anybody when his brother's doing you know, stuff with Rad Sibs? And I'm like, because no one was there to help us. That's why we do what we do, because we don't want someone exactly. else to go through this. So it was kind of um, enlightening. It was sad. It was a very tearful moment when he had to realize that, oh, I'm the way I am because I was traumatized. You know, he just thought he, nothing happened you. And I had a conversation with both of my boys at one point recently about not, I think I said this, not expecting them to take their, their mom's side over their girlfriends. I don't know if I talked about this yet, but, or significant other. And he's the one that said he would always choose me over a significant other. And I'm like, no, your girlfriend's amazing and has put up with you for four years. Please don't like take my side over anything. Like we need her to keep you, (laughs) you know, type of thing. But it was like, and that is where I put it all together at how messed up rad is just so it is like cancer in your family. Like your whole family is affected by it. It's not just the mom and the kid that's traumatized. It's your entire family, your dogs, everyone. Like I will raise my voice and both dogs bolt. And I'm like, really? Like I just was excited, you know, and one of them is cowering in the corner and the other one's like skittish. And I'm like, I'm not really that person. That's a really good way to put it. It's everyone. It is. Yeah. Because, and it affects everybody so differently. You know, your boys that you didn't see the glass children your husband, even yeah. you, but yeah. you have such a good, happy ending. And I think it's nice to know that it may not happen often or all the time, but I think a lot of right. rad parents wonder what is life going to be like? Can they get better? Yeah. Can they change? And so, yay. And he can, but yet right before he left, he was kind of a poop again. So I'm like, kind of leaving, like he's just gone to have like an extended visit with his brother, but I'm like, you're never coming home. Right. Like, <laughs> I just want your brother to keep, I will pay. Like I will pay. Yeah. I'm still your guardian. I'm still your mom. Yeah. I'm still going to pay, but you yeah. can't come home. Like you burn, you know, my husband kept saying, you're burning your bridges, buddy. You're burning your bridges. And he would just make a joke of it. And I'm like, but I will be that person that will be like, Oh, he's sorry. Like the ding yeah. dong, you know? And so it's like, I feel weird because it's not, the same as when the right. other ones moved out. It's not happy. It's like relief. Yeah. You know, it's so thankful that he's out for a while. And then I, I know he will have to return 
home, but it will be different then because he's adulting now. So he can then, he's saving money and things like that. And he can right. go find an apartment or a room to rent. Like I won't make him homeless, but I'm just going to be the landing pad when you come back from visiting and you're going to need right. to go out on your own because you don't right. follow the rules. So it's more like leveling up than getting better and healing, right? He's leveled up a lot of yeah. levels. Like than- he, yeah. He, yeah. And, and I think that he's one of those kids, we all have them where it's like, he has to feel the hurt, feel the pain, feel the whatever yep. to learn instead of going, oh yeah. And multiple right. times we have yeah. to feel it. Not just, wow, that sucked. I don't like that and move on. It's like, oh, I'm going to keep doing it. You know, like yeah. beat your head against the wall. You're, you, the, he's the definition of insanity. He, he will continue. One day he was building an airplane. He was little and it wouldn't fly. And I watched like half a ream of paper. I swear it felt like half a ream of paper was being folded and flown. And finally I go, well, babe, what are you? He was like, I can't make it fly. And I'm like, well, what are you, what are you doing? You know, right now, what are you going to do different? He's like, nothing. I'm making it the same exact way every time. And I'm like, that's why it's not working. <laughs> like, how do you describe to an eight-year-old? That's the definition exactly. of insanity. You can't keep doing the same yeah. thing. So, um, and, and it's the same for me as a parent. I can't continue to let him come home. And to try to parent him and to try to nurture him when it's not right. going to work and I'm going to go insane and I have to take care of fixing the, the troubled six-year-old right. that I have now, you know, with the PTSD and the anxiety and the, oh my gosh, control issues. But no rad. No rad. Just yeah. complex trauma. And she treats me, the, the, the hard thing is she treats me like rad. So her behaviors are rad and, and I'm terrible, but then you don't love me and I love you. Mom. And it's like this, this weird, this, just this weird yeah, it's dynamic. Really it's a mind, yeah. a mind oh, game. Oh, it's a mind game every day. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. You just feel crazy because left is right and right is left, but then right is right again. <laughs> what and is happening? Nobody told you it changed. Yeah. Like, Nobody told you the game restarted. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And then we had this digital learning and we had moved school districts. And so our old school district was virtual learning. And then they went to face-to-face you could choose. And our new school district was like face-to-face every day. Hello. Thank you very much. And Wednesday, they're like, plot change. <laughs> Tuesday, plot change. Wednesday's the last face-to-face day. And Thursday and Friday are virtual. And I'm like, all right. This time it wasn't like log on, like our old district. It was like, here's some papers. And then she'll post it on Canvas or whatever. Yeah, my kid took three minutes to do three math problems that were two minus what equals zero, two minus what equals one, and two minus what equals two. And it was like three minutes it took you to do those three. I knew she knew it. She tells me the yeah. answers all the time. And I was just like, here we go. go. Here we go. And I thought, I will have to get a second job, third job, a a huge job, whatever it takes to put her in private school where someone is going to school her because it can't be me. Well, and you've learned a lot. And originally I- Along the way, right? And learned a lot of what's going to protect you because let's face it, mom goes down, there's nothing. Oh, it's not pretty. I keep trying to tell him, if you think mom goes down, you got to deal with dad. Like dad is black and white. It isn't fun. You know I mean? Dad is dad. You know, dad is fun because I am making dad fun. (laughs) Yeah. But you do have to protect yourself. And I think it's sad that it takes so much time for us to learn to, it's not that you don't care, but to be able to lower your expectations and just be okay with where things are at and not feel 
I mean, you may still feel like you always have to step in and be there and save things and rescue things and be that person to get the therapy, talk to the teachers. I mean, it's constant, you know, what do you need in this moment? Every moment's a learning opportunity on, 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 on to learn to step back and just save yourself a little bit by, you know, just letting it happen and knowing you can't control everything and to be okay with that. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. Cause my husband was kind of raised like that very step back, you know, not a hands-on approach and he's learned and he's mm-hmm. an amazing guy, but like, I'll say, Oh, my dad taught me this. And he's like, Oh, all right. Like my dad was hands-on all the time, you know, vastly different than so yeah, that they can yeah. manage. And, and when my husband was like, I said, I just told someone's, I just told our rad kid he can quit school or he can keep doing school. And he looked at me, I go, look, he has a phone and Google. He can add two plus two and there's a calculator. What do they really right. need to know at this point in their lives? I mean, the kid can obviously yeah. research and Google things he wants to know. Hello, we had a porn addiction, yeah. you know, so like, and it's like, he'll be fine. And I, I just, I look at moms now and they're like, oh, the IEP. And I, and a friend of mine whose kid isn't rad is she's like, oh, excited. He's got an IEP. And I was like, okay, but this isn't going to fix things. I just want you to know, like, he's still going to not get good grades and you're going to think he doesn't know, but he's, he's just very, he's on the mm, autism spectrum. Yeah. And so um, he's brilliant and knows so much about the civil war because he's into it. But nowadays math, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, but he's a great kid and he can yeah. hang out with adults. And yeah. what do you want in life? Someone who can support yeah. themselves and be a human and a good person yeah. in society. And as a so. seasoned rad mom coming through it, I know we've got to get going. What <sighs> would you, what's yeah. your best advice or best nugget of some kind of wisdom? Oh, my best nugget is I tried to protect my husband from the behaviors or my, and I say that by like trying to handle it. So I tell everybody now, Oh, your husband can be annoyed with the phone calls from school. Oh, your husband can cert- can find the therapist. Your husband can go to the therapy appointments. Because if my husband would have had to do one eighth of the stuff I did in those 11 years, we would have been way further along than we were now. Because you don't realize what a mom has done. All the things that are going on while dad's working. But if I had just made his life a little less convenient or a little more inconvenient, that I think that the the behaviors would have been seen earlier. I just continually tried to to parent it and fix it and not make my husband be inconvenienced. We were married for years before we had this rad child. So it was my mm-hmm. my role, you know, I was a stay, you know, I stayed at home with my children and worked from home and ran my business from home. So I was able to do the parenting things and I just took it all on. And I wish I would have said way longer, way earlier in life, I can't right. do this. Because and it's not a right. competition. So don't take it all on. No, don't take it all on because you just and know. you can't because it is bigger. That's, it's bigger than any other parenting oh. situation. And I was afraid to let anybody for the longest time see things. And I'm like, oh no, you want to see it right. now? I am like expose. Yes. You can see it all. Watch him fall. You can see me look like a lunatic if you want, but watch it all. I want you to watch the yeah. whole reel. You know, it should be, a, it should be a, should be a reality TV, but no one would really watch it because you can't believe right. this crap is happening. Right. <laughs> oh. And I wish I had had video cameras so much earlier in my process. Oh, yeah. so much earlier. 
Yeah, my house had 16 cameras by the end. It was eight in and eight out. It looked like Fort Knox, but you and saw to a regular a parent of neurotypical kids, that just sounds outrageous, right? But that it's so yeah. necessary with these kiddos. Yeah, yeah. for so many yeah. reasons. It's but, crazy. Well, thanks so much for sharing all of Thank that. You. It's always so good to yeah. talk to you. And uh, you thanks too. for the you advice. Too. Thank you for doing Thank what you're you. doing. I think it's amazing yeah. we could have this 11 years right? ago. We would know. I know. And think of all the help all of us would have if we had known yeah. earlier yes. what this was. We could have gotten treatment so much earlier. I mean, I didn't do my kid right. any favors thinking I was doing and it sometimes right. Sometimes I so. think the biggest thing is just knowing you're not alone. You know, like here's somebody else yeah. going through, I'm not crazy. It's not a parenting issue. And even if there's just that one yeah. story out there, It'll, it'll make it make yeah. a difference. Yeah, it'll you're not alone. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.